Good morning, GT, and wherever you're watching, Greg Hubbard here. What a joy to be with you this morning, and uh, we're believing God for a powerful Sunday morning, and I uh, want to ask you to take a second and share and, uh, this with other people, your family, your friends, do a watch party for no other reason other than that we want as many people to know during this season the hope that's only offered through faith in Jesus Christ. And I've looked forward to this time for so many weeks now, and I've enjoyed this series with Pastor Brian, Pastor Scott, the Hope Series, and last week's message on enduring hope, and of course, Resurrection Weekend, the living hope. And uh, so thrilled to be a part of this series. And I want to speak for a few moments this morning about the power of unified hope. I don't need to belabor the time that we're living in right now, and, and um, we've heard different words about it being uncertain times, unprecedented times. We've heard that over and over, and we should. But I know from my life and from many of us, it's been a time that's rather unsettling. And this morning, my prayer is that during this season that we are in, that God would so unify us and bring us closer together, maybe closer than we've ever, ever known before. And so this morning, with, a, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with laser focus, I want to talk about the importance of unified hope. I, I want to read this morning from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. And I love what Paul writes in these verses. So again, it's Ephesians chapter 4, and uh, beginning at verse 1 to verse 4. Here's what Paul said 2,000 years ago. But man, do they ever ring clear this morning. Paul writes these words. He says this. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Then Paul goes on and says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And I love verse 3. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. And here it is. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. Uh, can I read verse 3 one more time? Paul says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. And then verse 4 talks about you've been called for one glorious hope for the future. I've always loved the book of Ephesians. I hope that during this time they are in the Word more than ever. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So as you and I devoured the word during this time, and when Paul wrote these, this, this letter to the church in Ephesus, in the first three chapters, what Paul's talking about, he's, he's elaborating on the importance of reconciliation between Jews and the Gentiles, how God brought them together through their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and now what Paul does in our text in chapter 4 is Paul really gives a call for unified hope. Uh, again, the focus these last weeks has been on hope. And I'm so grateful that it has been clearly articulated that our hope is, is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. That without Jesus, I'm not looking to upset anybody Sunday morning, but if you don't have Jesus, 
you do not have what real hope is. I'm not talking hope on what the, uh, uh, the news channel says or uh, what the scientists say or hope on what, what anybody says. True hope is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful that 17 years ago, I, I, I received Jesus. And from that moment until now, I can walk in living hope and I can walk in enduring hope. And we talk, so we, we think about hope, and then there's unity. That is the coming together, that's oneness that we have, like Paul said in Ephesians, that the Jews and Gentiles could have uh, because of their faith coming together in faith in Christ Jesus. But here's the word to you and I. Uh, my prayer that in these last days, I'm not even gonna speak about a season of quarantine and a season of the virus. Friends, we are living in the last days. It's so critical as God's people. But the hope we share does not divide us, but that the hope that we share binds us together. Uh, Pastor Bryant referred to it last week. We're living an election year. I don't ever remember a time of there being more political divisiveness than the time we're living in right now. And even in the season of this quarantine and the lockdown, uh, the divisiveness and uh, people just, just ranting and raving about how they think things ought to go. And, and uh, even some well-known people in the, in the faith that are upsetting the faith of people by, by, by sharing about how it ought to be done and it must be this way or that way. So even in, in the faith as followers of Jesus, there's divisiveness even how we deal with the times you're living in right now. And I want to say this. When Paul writes these words in Ephesians, he talks and addresses hope. And the first thing Paul talks about, I believe, he gives a plea for the unity of the faith. I, I love the words there in Ephesians chapter 4 uh, where, where Paul talks about, uh, listen, he says, look, I beg you. So Paul's not saying, you know what, CT, and whatever you're watching, He's not saying, you know what, I just maybe have a little suggestion or, you know what, it's, you know, the day we're living in, it might be a good idea. Put that out of your mind. Paul says, I beg you. Listen, uh, we're often in our part of the world, we don't have a full grasp on what it means to beg. And uh, over in Bangladesh, I was told years ago that when a beggar would approach your vehicle or approach you, and they'd beg for, for money or for a piece of bread, that you were to say to them the word bakshish. That, that means not now, leave me alone, whatever. They said, just say bakshish, and they'll let you go. Uh, you know what I found out? That, that beggars don't succumb easily to the word bakshish. I remember them coming around us, precious people, that nothing of the world's goods and and they're reaching out and I was overcome and I just, I just you know boxies boxies and I learned they understand that word but their need overpowers understanding of my response. They were begging. There's a sense of urgency here. There's a sense, and you know me by now, I hope. I love the joke and I love the laugh, and maybe in the message it'll be there somewhere, but not now. Paul's saying, I beg you. He says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. And then Paul says this. He says, I want you to make every effort. This isn't for some of us. This is for every believer that has received Jesus as Savior. 
if you've received the hope of Jesus Christ, Paul's saying to us, he says, I beg you to make every single effort to be united in the spirit. And so what Paul's saying is that this is serious. This unity idea isn't just something trivial or something elementary. And wouldn't it be nice and wicked, whatever? No, this is, this is serious. So Paul's saying to us, I beg you to make every effort uh, to be unified in the hope that you have. We see the seriousness of unity in other parts of scripture. In Romans 16, verse 17, it says this. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them, Paul uh, says in Romans. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. Uh, you know, isn't it amazing? I, I get this, and we let this sometimes soften the blow and, and, and kind of lighten whatever. But Paul's saying, look it, someone's causing division, have nothing to do with them. He says they're not serving Christ. And so he says they're serving their own personal interests and by smooth talk and glowing words. They, they deceive innocent people. And Jude, of course, only one chapter in Jude, verse 17, the word says this. But you, dear friends, who? Those with living hope. But you, dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you in the last times there'll be scoffers whose purpose in the life is to satisfy ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow natural instinct because they do not have the spirit in them. And then Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. This is, this is so powerful. Uh, the writer here in Proverbs says, there are six things the Lord hates. But then he says, no, there are seven things he detests. The haughty, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, all false witness who pours out lies. And then here's the seventh thing. Number first, there are six things the Lord, but no, there's seven. There's a seventh thing that he detests. And the last thing listed is a person who sows discord in a family. I, I want to challenge us together as a church family. Not only now, but it, it is never the time to be divisive. The Bible says that we are to mark people who sow discord meaning that we're to take notice of them and we're to avoid them like the plague. Uh, now we're, uh, we're talked about social distancing and, and, and to be careful. And what the word's saying is social distance yourself from people who sow discord and cause divisions among you. And, and sometimes division can come, and, and the Bible talks about, by, by smooth talkers and it may sound spiritual. And, and I know churches that have been split by, by smooth talking divisiveness that has been clothed and disguised in spirituality, what is the nothing but divide people and, 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 uh, and cause division? And so this first point is simple. Paul's saying, look at, I'm giving a plea. I'm begging you to live a life worthy of the calling. You and I have been called to a living, glorious, enduring hope. So glorious that we're called to live this hope with unity. I want to challenge us in the name of Jesus 
to not be among the crowd causing division, but we, may we respond to Paul's plead and say, Lord, today, touch my life. I want to live a life of unity. If that's you, if God's talking to you about it now, won't you type an amen in right now or put up a hand and say, God, I receive the plea and I want to live a life of unity. So Paul does more than give a plea for unity. But the Bible also talks about a prayer for unity. You see, this is critical. This is not some little area that would be nice, but if we don't ever get to it, this is basic biblical truth for every believer. That none of us are called to cause division, that we're to mark those who do. And Jesus addresses this need in John 17. I know we often refer to Luke 11 as the Lord's Prayer, but that's actually the Lord teaching us how to pray. But John 17 is actually the Lord's Prayer. In John 17, listen to what Jesus says about unity. Beginning at verse number 20, it says this, from praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be said, may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they, I love this. These are the prayers of Jesus. Not long before he would hang upon a cross, in those final moments on earth with disciples, his prayer time, he says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. How powerful is that? I, this is how powerful unity is, that they will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Maybe God's speaking to somebody right now. I hope in the early part of this message that there comes a sobriety, a seriousness, that unified hope is vital in the day that we're living in. The devil wants nothing more than to divide us. And the Lord praised that prayer in John 17 because he knew very well the power of divisiveness, the effects when there's not unity. Maybe you say, Greg, in my family right now, there's no unity. Maybe your marriage, this whole situation, it brought you far, farther apart than brought you closer together. That's not what God wants. He wants you to be one. He wants unity in your family, unity in your marriage, and unity in the family of God, not just CT, but the church around the world where you're one because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and again, why do you make this prayer? Why was this so heavy on the heart of Jesus? Why would a, 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 a large portion of the prayer in John 17 be about unity? Because she understands again the power of divisiveness. And Jesus addresses this. In Matthew chapter, chapter 12, when the Lord says this, a, a miracle just took place. The Lord had just set somebody free from a demonic spirit. But Matthew 12, verse 22, it says this. It says, then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man that he, uh, so they could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? 
But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and replied. Listen to what he said. He said, a town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he'll be divided and fighting himself. His own kingdom will not survive. Here's what the Lord's saying to us. That the family, the church, the nation, the family of God that will not remain united, they are doomed to falling apart. That's not what God wants. God is a God of hope. I'm grateful for the real living hope that's so real in our spirits this morning. But when you and I come together as one, Come on, GT, this is our time. We roll up our sleeves and say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. You'll not divide us. You'll not break us down. But this is the time, come on, that we come together. Give me an amen. Type in if you're listening. That we rise up and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we may be distanced by six feet, but in spirit, we are united through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for this living hope that we have. It's real. Jesus is in us, the hope of glory. But Jesus teaches us that when we are splintered, that when we are feuding, he says that town or family, that church, that people, they will fall apart. T.T., this is our time to rise up and show who we live for and who we serve. This isn't about a political agenda. Come on. I know folks have left churches over a political agenda. Are you kidding me? We are covered by the blood of Jesus. Yes, there'll be differences. We can have different opinions on things, but when they divide us, Satan clops his hands. I, I come against that with everything in me in the name of Jesus that will not let external things rob us of the unity that we have in the person of Jesus Christ. So he teaches us that when we are splintered and when we fall apart, that's why the devil's after your marriage. That's why he's after your family. That's why, come on, is dinner different in your home when there's, when there's unity than when there's not? How many with a raised hand, just come on, with some type of, how many would say right now, the life is different when you walk in unity? And so my prayer this morning is that we recognize that in the eyes of Jesus, that unified hope is absolutely vital. He prayed, Father, let them be one, even as you and I are one. So there's the, the plea for unity. We see a prayer for unity. This is so heavy on the heart of God, but we also see the power of unity. You say, Greg, you can preach and sweat and spit and uh, sit back from your, your screen, whatever, because we've arranged it. We have an amazing media team where well, spit will fly out of your screen, so be sure you practice the 12-foot rule for this morning, all right? Listen careful. Why is this so heavy on the heart of God? Why is this all over the Bible? The importance of unity, of unified, because there's power in unity. There's power. I love what Psalm 133 says. It says this. Psalm 133, beginning of verse 1, it reads like this. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. For harmony 
is as precious as the anointed oil that was poured over Aaron's head and ran down his beard and under the border of his robe. Harmony or unity, harmony, is as refreshing as the dew from my Harmon that falls in the mountains of Zion. And I, I love this. And there, where, 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 where's the there? Where there's unity, where there's harmony. He says, and there the Lord has pronounced or commended a blessing, even life everlasting. I'm so grateful that this thing called unity, family, it's powerful. It is no wonder why the Satan works relentlessly to bring division in the family of God, to bring bitterness and unforgiveness and rage and anger. And, uh, you know, one of the core values of, of GT, and, and I love this, that we're not here for your preference. We're here for your purpose. I want to say that again. It, it might sound abrasive, but it, it, it shouldn't be because, because God has a destiny, a, a purpose for you. So we're not here for, for somebody's preference. If that were the case, we'd all go crazy. We all like different things. This afternoon, it's a big day, man. And uh, or rather, uh, a few days ago, uh, Plum Creek Dairy opened up. Can someone say hallelujah? And they've arranged it, so I've been told that there's distancing and that they'll still serve. And when you go there, there's many, many flavors. Come on. Robin will go for the triple uh, chunk, the thunder. But, man, I'm all over creamy black raspberry. I feel blessed just saying black raspberry right now. Man, come on, type in your favorite ice cream right now. Come on. And as you see the ice cream flavors come in, we're all different. We prefer different things. But that must stop at the door of the house of God. We can have different preferences, but what binds us together is not the flavor of our ice cream. Whether we're Democrat or Republican, or what news broadcast we watch. What binds us together is the cross of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done in our lives and what he wants to do all over the world. And so there's power in unity. But what does this verse talk about in Psalm 133? When it talks about power, uh, the first verse in Psalm 133, it brings peace. It says how good it is. How good it is, I love this. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. I asked you a few moments ago, is your house different? Is the atmosphere in your home different when you're getting along and there's laughter? You know what my prayer is for my wife and I? It might sound silly. We, we want every day at our home, we want laughter to be in our home. As early as early this morning, we were laughing over something silly. Don't let the devil take laughter out of your house. And so when there's oneness, and not that there's only laughter and giggling or whatever, but isn't it true that when there's unity, it's just nicer, man? It's just pleasant. This is something that it's wonderful, the psalmist writes. It is pleasant. And so when you and I walk in unified hope, there comes a pleasantness. There comes something wonderful. That is one of the powers of a unified hope. The second thing that it brings, I want to speak of power, it, it talks about how the, how the anointing oil is poured over, it runs on Aaron's beard, that speaks of refreshing. Isn't it refreshing to know that you're a part of a church that's one in Christ? 
isn't it refreshing, you know, Robert and I this year, we'll be married for some 39 years, whatever. And, um, and uh, you know, of course, Robin looks a lot younger than I do. And my mother-in-law is still a wonderful woman. And, um, and uh, but, you know, Robin, our marriage, and we've gone through things like, like every couple. But, man, can I, I'm not looking to be cheesy or we go through tough times like anybody. But, but I love that girl. And she loves me. Come on, if you love your spouse, put it in there right now. I want you to type, I love my spouse. Isn't your family different when love is real and tangible? It's refreshing. And you and I as God's people, there's a refreshing that comes. It's supernatural. This isn't like something superficial. We're not talking about, get a hand in and, you know, GT, GT, go. That's nice. I'm talking something real. I'm talking something spiritual that, that came at the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ. So it brings peace. It's, it's refreshing. And then it says in verse three, also it, it brings a blessing. When God sees unity in the family of God, think of this, he commands a blessing upon the house. GT, in the strong name of Jesus. Now listen careful. Don't you flick and don't you go on to some other. I want you to hear this. Because for some, hear me now, hear my spirit. For, for some, we, we, not, we can't wait to get back together again. We can't wait. For some that may not be following close to Christ, this is a dream come true for some people. And some are thinking, well, that man, this is, yes. You don't need to really go to church. You can be a believer and not go to church. We get that. That building isn't the church. You and I are the body of Christ. But don't let this be a long-term excuse for not coming to be a part of the family of God. Enjoy the online. Thank God for our media team and their giftings, their skills, and ourselves, we're the best team on the planet. But may that not serve as a long-term excuse to not come together physically and emotionally and spiritually. But even in this time, although we're separate by space, and by your presence, we can know the commanded blessing of God upon us as a church. The last area of power talks about, John talks about, Jesus does in John 13, where it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. You're, imagine that your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciple. And so, yes, it brings power. It brings peace and refreshing and and a blessing. But it brings a clear testimony that we belong to Jesus. This isn't the time for the world to scratch their head looking at our Facebook or Instagram posts. And I thought they were believers. Look at all the anger. Look at all the rage. This is the hour that we show the world that we belong to him, that we're not our own but we've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's power when a church walks in unity. I'm grateful for churches across America today in the world. Well, your friends in Zimbabwe, they're doing their best to maintain unity and making every effort and ministry to people in Romania. We're doing online things there. And we love you, Romania. And you're working. So listen, we're all doing our best. And I'm grateful that and I have no apology. I'm going to brag upon my home church. Somebody wrote recently, I mentioned on a Facebook post, I was going to be ministering at a church. Of course, it was online. And they responded by saying, you are? They said, I thought they were closed. I mean, they're open again. You hear me. GT, 
hasn't been closed for a second. Did you hear that? GT has not been closed for a second. I, I, Christine Christ, she was so gracious and gave me a list of things that, that, that's happening right now in the church. And uh, th these are not exhaustive. And, uh, you know, I, I should just take a couple, but I'm not going to take a couple. I'm going to go through the whole thing. Because I want you to know that you're a part of a church that's making every effort to maintain unity in the bonds of peace. While the church cannot meet physically, we're united in spirit. Come on, type in amen right there. Although we cannot meet physically, we are unified in spirit. Come on, I want to see an amen, a hallelujah, or, 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 or videotape yourself doing a dance around your living room. How about these activities? Pastor Scott Nagel is having ministry online to high school students every week. Uh, student leaders are, are having weekly meetings and if they're connected with Pastor Scott. The GT Kids Volunteers have created Facebook videos and content for children and both parents to keep them connected to encourage them. There's parental resources, weekly Bible stories and worship songs, videos, weekly fun challenges. But how about the outward ministry, uh, giving to the whole project? Drive-by caravan to local hospitals and to Hope Rescue. Breast, breakfast and dinner drop-offs. The first responders at the medical teams. Uh, the, the giving of hope to uh, the food drop. GT life groups who are meeting virtually. And there are children meeting online. I'm talking the little ones with their small group leaders. Don't tell me the church is closed. We are alive because Jesus rose up from the dead. There's more. There's a GT volunteer Facebook page and there are virtual huddles to stay connected and support each other. And the pastoral care team, they're making calls, they're making phone calls to let people know that they matter. I called one woman, a, a widow, to see how she was doing a few weeks ago. And even as I called, she said there were, uh, this is a, a little bit before the serious lockdown, she said there already were two GT people that had been to her house to drop off some gifts and some food. I'm telling you something. Remember the song I wrote years ago? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Come on. I am so glad that today I'm a part of the family of God. In GT, in service, in workers and staff, I applaud you. And, I, and I, 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 this is my, the best way I can do online. Come on. I challenge you in the name of Jesus. Let's continue to walk in unity. There's power when we make every effort. This isn't something we sit on the couch and go, well, Lord, just give us. We have to put effort into this. There's effort into all that the, 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 the church and all the ministries and all the outreaches and all the things happening. There's effort that must go into us uh, living out unified hope. The last thing is this, I'm going to be done. I'm almost in overtime. The nice thing about this morning is there are no parking issues. But I want to close with this. You're still with me? You're still with me? Give me a big yes right now. If you're still with me, come on. Don't spill your coffee on your lap. It just, just type it in. Yes, I'm still here. Haven't left yet. Come on. Because God is speaking to us today as a church that this is the hour for unified hope in the day that we live in. Say, Greg, okay, I get you. G Greg, okay. There's a plea. A whole, unity is serious. And, it's powerful, and Jesus even made it made focus of his prayer in Psalm 17. There's power, there's blessing, and all these different things. But somebody can ask, well, you know, how, how in the world do I get there? How in the world do I get there? 
I'm just going to give you the reference. It's there in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. For time's sake, you read Philippians 2, verses 1 to 4, but I want to list a pathway to unity. How do we get there? Because Paul, in the second chapter in Philippians, addresses the importance of unity and how we get there. And I'm going to end with this. The first thing he says is, is don't be selfish. In other words, be generous. Remember back in the Old Testament where God spoke that we can plant seed even in the time of famine? My wife and I have determined to plant seed even in the time of famine or a time of need. Is God calling you and your family to be generous today? Maybe, it's, maybe it is a gift to, to Hope Rescue Mission. Maybe it is a, a, a gift of benevolence or it's, it's offering to serve. Or, and we think of generosity only as with our money, but, but our time, our gifts, our talents, and not for everybody, but for some, uh, we have more time than we know what to do it. And, but, but, but Paul says, unity, yes, be generous. He then says, be humble. He says, look upon others as more important than yourself. For us to know, listen, can I say this? Because this is for somebody. For us to know unity, we have to get over ourselves. What is that phrase? Man, you, you, you know, you're not all that. I'm not all that. Type that in. I'm not all that. Type it in. I'm not all that. May we not be consumed with ourselves, but may we be humble and look upon others in their interests. So would it be, be generous and be humble? Would it be outward focus? Looking on the needs of others. What an hour to be focused on the needs of those around us. And finally, he says, I want you to let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He says, I want you to have the mind of Christ. Here's my prayer. It's a commitment for landing right now. Here's my prayer, that in these days that we're living in, I cannot wait until this, the worship center is jam-packed. I pray the first Sunday, come on, the first Sunday that we can all come back together. I pray you're going to come two hours early to get a seat because of excitement and expectation and the eruption of praise that Pastor Dan hits the first chord on that guitar. But until then, may we walk with unified hope. Here's my prayer that in these days we're living in, well, Greg, how do I get there? Even to the pathway, humility, outward focused, and not being selfish and being Christ-minded, how do I get there? We just have to be with Jesus. It doesn't happen automatically, a quick prayer right now, we'll not cut it, but it's you and I having a private walk with Jesus Christ. And maybe this season that has revealed many, many things, maybe for some it's revealed that you've had a public walk with Jesus, but you've neglected your private walk with Jesus. And I'm here today as a sweaty servant of the Lord. And I'm not asking you, I'm begging you to say, Lord, I want to press in. I want to lean in a little bit closer. I want to get in your word. I want to be in prayer. And I want to be so filled with you in the Holy Spirit that we are one and I am not uh, a missionary of unrest and divisiveness but I am a channel of unity peace and love that's my prayer I'm going to close in prayer in a moment what a joy it's been to be in your home 
wherever you're listening and watching this GT, wherever you're from, we'll just love it. You're being prayed for, the church, the staff, praying for you. But maybe you're watching this morning and say, Greg, you know what? Preach, sweat, spit, do your deal. But I don't really know what this hope is you're talking about. It's found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you, is if I could be in your home, and actually I guess I am right now, over a cup of steaming coffee, preferably French roast or Sumatra. Thank you very much for the future reference. But sitting in your home, come on. I wish I could look in the eye and gently ask you, have you made your decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm not asking, are you Catholic or Protestant or Lutheran? Or I'm not asking those things. I'm asking you, are you Republican or Democrat? I'm not asking those things, but I'm asking you. Have you allowed the resurrected Jesus Christ, God's Son, to come into your heart and forgive all your sins? You receive the hope only found in Christ. If you would like to receive Jesus right now, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Lift a hand up before God. Doesn't matter if anybody's around you. And pray this prayer out loud after me. Dear Jesus, come on, pray it out loud right where you are. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what no one else can do to come into my heart, to forgive all my sins and save my soul. I receive you now as my savior. I believe that you're the son of God. You rose up from the dead. I give you all my sins. I give you myself. I receive you now as my savior. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Help me now, Jesus, to live for you and to walk for you all the days of my life. And I ask all this now in your wonderful name, the name of Jesus. Amen. We've talked about pleading and begging. Can I ask you one more favor? I'm asking, begging you. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, come and type in right now, I prayed that prayer, or I just received Jesus, or put the emoji of the hand raised, or some type of a signal that we can know that seconds ago you made life's greatest decision by giving your life to Jesus Christ because we care about you. We want to celebrate the fact you've received the living hope, Jesus Christ. And now knowing the living hope, we can walk in unified hope. So just type that in, a raised hand or an amen, or I pray that prayer and somebody will follow up with you. But GT as a whole, wherever you're watching, I speak the blessing of God all over you. I pray the peace of God to fill your home today. I pray today God will guide us in being intentional, how we walk in unity. I pray God keep your hand all over Pastor Brian and the staff. Lord, may your fingerprints be all over GT. And in this hour that we find ourselves, may we walk in the name of Jesus in unified hope. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. God bless you. What a joy to be in your home today. Have a great rest of your day. Share this with your friends. And uh, be in prayer and follow the online ministries of GT. And we'll be looking for you really soon. God bless every single one of you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you feel inspired and motivated to keep leaning into all that God has for you. Our mission at GT Church is to reach people and grow together in Christ. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd be honored if you joined us in that mission and share it with your friends and your family. You can find a replay of the service on our website, Facebook page, YouTube channel, and you can listen on our podcast. While we wrapped up our Living Hope series today, we're starting a brand new series next week that you do not want to miss called Kill the Spider. 
This series is based on a book by Carlos Whitaker that talks about how in our everyday lives we can get caught up in a web of bad choices and destructive thought patterns. Things like anxiety, insecurity, and addiction start to own our lives, and before we know it, we're working hard to get rid of those cobwebs. But the only real way to get rid of those cobwebs is to kill the spider that created them in the first place. So we're excited to have Carlos Whitaker himself kicking off the series next Sunday. He's gonna help us discover how we can identify, corner, and kill the spiders in our lives and replace those false beliefs with God's life-giving truths. You can learn more about this upcoming series and invite your friends and family to join us on our website and on our Facebook page. We also encourage you to get a copy of the book so you can walk through it with us at killthespider.com. We hope you have an awesome week and we'll see you next time.